Climate Conversations on the Business Breakfast with Dubai Holding and in partnership with the World Future Energy Summit, the leading event for future energy and sustainability, together for the good of tomorrow. And one company that is synonymous with sustainability, not just in the UAE, but globally, is Mazda. Delighted to be joined in the studio by the Chief Executive Officer of Mazda City, Ahmed Bagoum. Ahmed, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Very good morning. Thank you for hosting me today, Richard. We're counting down to COP28. It's only uh, weeks to go now. Just before we do that, let's... Talk about Mazda and let's talk about Mazda City and the distinction between the two. You're the CEO of Mazda City. Tell us more. Mazda City, of course, was created 2009 along with Mazda City again 2006. And of course, it's it's one of the key objectives for, for UAE and Abu Dhabi is to diversify away from, from oil, build uh, talent and of course, create a knowledge-based economy. That's as long the, along the line of 2030 vision for, for Abu Dhabi at that time. Today, Mazdar, uh, as our sister company, is is available or uh, having projects in over 40 countries with more than 25 gigawatt of renewable energy projects deployed in these 40 countries. While Mazdar City here, which is you know homegrown sustainable urban development, is, is really leading academia, leading R&D, over 1,000 companies that are, are in our free zone. We have different clusters. Last week, we've announced the SABI project by, with, with ADU and DED in Abu Dhabi, which is the smart and autonomous vehicle industries, leading, uh, of course, sustainability, and of course, leading towards the year of sustainability and COP28 uh, next month. COP28, of course, is a, a massive deal for you. The UAE as a country has a net zero target by 2050. You haven't got there yet as Mazda City, but you do have a few net zero buildings and you say it's not easy. It is not easy. When we started, Richard, again, 2010, when we had the first building, it was really hard because the technologies were not available at that time. Uh, we were learning as, as we were building more and more uh, our, our built environment. We built then the next headquarter, which was the Siemens Mina headquarter in, 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 in Mazdar City. That building was was lead gold uh, and it was able to, to really save up to 40% of water and energy. It was really a benchmark at that time. Today, we have most of our built environment are lead platinum. Uh, we have the highest concentration or density of, of lead platinum buildings maybe in the, in the MENA region. Uh, we are towards, uh, of course, uh, towards COP28 preparing ourselves. We have the first net zero building. Again, it's easier said than, de- than done, uh, Richard. It's a lot of knowledge, a lot of data that we need to capture throughout the years to be able to really create and come up with the net zero building in Mazdar City. It's, it's not easy. It's also not cheap. Let's be honest. If you want your buildings to be a lead is the kind of the globe, one of the global benchmarks for an environmentally friendly building. If you want to be lead gold or lead platinum, there is an additional cost involved in that. How, how do you manage that? Yes, you want to be net zero, but you're the chief executive of a company. You've got a bottom line. You've got your targets. You can't just throw infinite money at the problem. How do you manage that? Definitely, that's that's a very good question. I think this is what we get often asked. Uh, I mean, in, in several occasions, and this was the core objective for us from day one, Richard, is to create sustainable city that is financially viable. You know, we wanted to create city that c- could be replicated somewhere else. 
create the blueprint of, of sustainable urban development. I can tell you today that for us, sustainability is of three pillars. Social sustainability, we, we allow people to walk, we all allow people to work, and we allow people to, to also enjoy the city. It's, it's economical sustainability, which is, you know, as a company, you need to maintain your profit margins. And of course, the, 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 the environmental sustainability. So for us, gathering all the data, creating the master plan from scratch, we were able to really create profitable and, and of course, uh, you know, financially viable uh, commercial buildings at uh, lead platinum and lead gold uh, standards. How do you make this an attractive place to live and work while reducing demand for energy and water? And I'll give you two examples. I like wide open green spaces, grass and trees. They're lovely. And a lot of us do like that kind of exposure to nature, but that requires water. I like having a nice, cool home to sleep in and a nice air conditioned office to work in. But that requires energy. How do you manage that? That's that's again, it's it's part of the plot, uh, Richard, really. Uh, Part of the sustainability within Mazdar City, we must create at least 20 to 30% of greenery around the city to make it financially viable, to make it, fi- I mean, socially acceptable by, by, by residents and occupants. So for us, sustainability is, and part of, of it, of course, is, is the you know, environmental sustainability. We have created parks that are green parks and for families to come and, and really spend time. So it is part of the story for us in Mustard City is, is to create not only buildings, but to create also uh, interactions and, and you know, walkable uh, 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 offerings for, 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 for residents as well as for business uh, companies and, and, and uh, even, even from, from outside the city. So it is all about creating a very holistic city, very sustainable city that people will enjoy living and, and, and visiting. What have you learned about irrigating those green spaces in a way that you you can never eliminate the need for water, but reduces the need for water? You've been going for, what, nearly 15 years now. What have you learned? Again, to to start with, it's it's always with with the design. The the whole city was designed to be be highly sustainable and green. Uh, We have, even before we start the operation, we have uh, managed till date to really recycle over 90% of our uh, construction waste and we are doing the same thing with the with the operation waste which is water is one of them so we are recycling the water for irrigation and we are using almost 90% or more of that for for our irrigation so we don't need to really irrigate uh, and you use water for irrigation that's number 1 number 2 we are using plants that are are really uh, native plants that use uh, the least amount of water. So again, we've learned throughout the number of years uh, how do we really uh, create that. And of course, automation and smart is, is part of that to make sure that we don't waste even the irrigation water for, for, for irrigating our plants. And you can do this on site, can you, recycling the water? We, we have done that, yes, off site. We are doing that off site. We are also, uh, as I said before, we are also recycling our construction waste at site. We are uh, reusing uh, like concrete and steel for our, our roads, for our irrigation, uh, you know, uh, uh, plants. And we are using that also for our, uh, you know, different gravels for, for our, our uh, landscaping. A final question. COP28, big deal for you. What are you planning? The UAE and, 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 and 
you know, uh, the region will be hosting uh, such a great uh, platform, which is COP28 uh, in, in uh, almost a month time. And we are we are getting ready for that. As you know, uh, we have a lot of activities with COP28 themselves, with uh, all the different entities within Abu Dhabi. We will be also showcasing our first net zero building uh, that is uh, being hand, handing over now. Uh, we have the Mazdar Festival, Mazdar City Festival, that we will also be uh, interacting and building awareness about, uh, you know, the, the UAE uh, initiative so far when it comes to sustainability and, and, and uh, you know, climate change. Looking forward to that one very much indeed. And I'm sure we will speak because you'll be down here in Dubai at Expo City for that event. But for now, we'll leave it there. Appreciate you coming down to Dubai from Abu Dhabi this morning to be with us. Ahmed Wagoum is the Chief Executive Officer of Mazda City. Shukran Jazeelan. Thank you. Shukran. It's the Business Breakfast on Dubai I 103.8 FM. Climate Conversations on the Business Breakfast. With Dubai Holding and in partnership with the World Future Energy Summit, the leading event for future energy and sustainability, together for the good of tomorrow. Yeah, good to catch up with the CEO of Mazda just a few moments ago. We continue the conversation on all things energy, and more specifically, energy transition, uh, as we discuss the UA's transition away from fossil fuels to alternative sources. In light of uh, COP28 and the climate conversations being had in the build-up to COP28 and at COP28. So the question is the role of nuclear nuclear energy. Uh, what role can that play uh, around the world and, of course, here in the UAE in part of the transition away from fossil fuels to alternative sources? Well, the best man to ask is the uh, DG, the Director General of the Federal Authority for Nuclear Regulation here in the UAE, uh, Krista Victorson, who joins us now live on the line. Krista, thanks so much indeed for your time. Thank you. Let's start, if we can, with uh, an update with the Baraka nuclear power plant. Obviously, many UAE residents will have been following the progress of the first fully functional nuclear power plant here in the UAE. Um, are we 100% up and running now? Uh, we are up and running 100% with three reactors so far. And the fourth one is nearing um, completion. Uh, and we are in the final stage now at Fanner. To, to review that um, that the reactor and the company fulfills all the, all the regulatory requirements that are needed to secure operation. So the operation uh, in progress at the moment, I mean, once fully operational on all the reactors, um, what's the sort of lifespan of, of the nuclear power plant, specifically at one of the most modern nuclear power plants in the world, the Baraka nuclear power plant? How long can it be providing uh, transitional energy and energy for the region? Uh, yes, it's a, quite a long time. So the license we are going to give, or we have given already to reactor one, two and three, is for 60 years. Um, and there is nothing um, to, uh, telling us that it cannot be extended beyond 60 years. This has happened in, in, in many countries, uh, going up to up to 80. And on to exclude that we can go up to up to 100. Of course, it needs a lot of maintenance um, uh, and 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 uh, monitoring the aging of, of the reactor and the components and um, potential new threat that comes from, for example, climate change. But that is where um, we come into play as the regulatory authority. 
As that regulatory authority, I'm sure you have a key role in supporting the UA government in combating climate change, something obviously that's been addressed for several years now, but very much being pulled into focus in light of COP28 later on this year. How does FANADA contribute to addressing climate change here in the UAE and the wider region? Very, a very important role, in fact. Um, FANADA is not the driver for the energy transition. The dr- industry. But FANR is an, I would call it an enabler. And with this this, uh, word enabler, I mean, in order for the power plant to get innovation, they need the permit or license from from FANR. And our licensing process is um, a very thorough one, where we review that the plant is going to be safe that it fulfills all our requirements and international standards. And also that the site where it's located, which is called Baraka, is also fulfilling the requirement and can withstand various types of external hazards, such as sandstorms, such as uh, uh, heavy winds, flooding, etc. And this was part, an important part of the, of the work we did before we allowed Baraka to go in, into operation. So we have a very important role in the first step to, to permit the power plant, but then also to, to continuously oversee the safety of the reactor. Um, as I indicated before, all components, all materials age, and we have to make sure that they still are functional. And, and we have recent inspectors at Baraka. We have presently eight experienced experts being there um, day and night um, supervising the operation because our concern of course is to make sure that the public is safe, the environment is safe, the workers um, working at Baraka are safe from, from radiation. You mentioned the, the licensing process and you also mentioned a couple of the challenges, weather being one of them uh, here mm. in the region. Is that the main challenge when it comes to a regulator perspective and from a regulation perspective or are there more pressing challenges? So that is one of the challenges um, which and, and in the in the area of, of climate change, climate crisis, or somebody call it climate emergency, mm. where the environment changes rapidly, we see that all over the world, um, including um, in, in the Middle East. So that is one of the challenges. We So, so we are monitoring uh, together with other authorities uh, and the international community how the weather pattern changes. But then we have, of course, we have to make make sure that we don't um, cause accidents in the plant um, by having, but not following um, correct procedures, but not having compo- uh, competent uh, staff subject to our review. Um, so this is one. Another is the security. Mm. Uh, we have the physical security, we have the cyber security that we have to make sure it's taken care of of and we have um, good cooperation with other authorities again um, so FANR is not overseeing Baraka in isolation yeah. we do it together with our other authorities
Krista, we have to leave it there at a time on this occasion, but we can't thank you enough uh, for joining us live on the line. Krista Victorson is the Director General of FANA, the Federal Authority for Nuclear Regulation, who are playing uh, a very preeminent part, role in the transition uh, of energy and the energy transition process here in the UAE. And of course, uh, we'll be playing a very significant role in the build-up to COP. 28 a little later on this year. That is your Climate Conversations for today. More to follow in the weeks to come.